Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. It's time for your week daily look at the NBA and your Charlotte Hornets. It's time for the Hive O'Clock Alarm. Oh, that sounds amazing. Well, that was less than ideal. Welcome to the Hive O'Clock Alarm. I'm Doug Branson, joined by David Walker. It's Hornets Talk for the Hardcore Fan. Game one of the 2016 NBA playoffs for the Charlotte Hornets is in the books. And the Hornets get uh, the flamethrower taken to them in Miami, 123-91, to the final. Miami wins the game. David... Let's just get right into it. What went wrong for the Charlotte Hornets in Game 1 as they they got blitzed? Yeah, where do you start, Doug? I mean, not much went right. I would say that the first thing that came to my mind is they didn't look ready. No one out there in the start of the game looked ready to go except for Nick Batum in my eyes, which, you know, it's not surprising. He's had more playoff experience probably than most people on the Hornets roster, so... That was the first thing that stuck out to me. I mean, we could go back and forth here, but what do you think of the overall readiness? Yeah, I think you're. I think you're dead on there. I think there was a, a missing element of physicality and intensity that would not have shown itself so prominently had it not been for the fact that so many guys on Miami's roster were ready to go. Luol Ding, obviously, thirty-one points. Uh, Hassan Whiteside was very physical inside. Dwayne Wade, Justice Winslow, Goran Dragic, all relentlessly driving. And the one guy, uh, and and he shot efficiently from the field, but he got into some foul trouble. But the one guy we pinpointed as a a possible problem, Joe Johnson, was maybe the least of the Hornets' worries, strangely enough. Uh, But yeah, I mean, Miami had a great game plan, David. They, They went super small. It gave... Frank Kaminsky, a lot of problems. Lynn had to guard Wade. Kaminsky had to guard Justice Winslow. I saw a lot of Twitter comments like, why is Frank guarding Justice Winslow? He had to, because that's how small the the Miami Heat went. I mean, they went Drogic, Richardson, Winslow, Ding, and then Stoudemire. Um, So, I mean, you had that going on. You had uh, guys like Stat, Stoudemire, uh, and Dwayne Wade, Lawal Ding, getting in time machines, playing better than they've played in a long time, just really getting up for the playoffs, and it hurt the Hornets. It killed them. I mean, you mentioned Joe Johnson. They didn't even need him. I mean, Ding with 31 points, 11 for 13 from the field, 4 for 6 from 3. I mean, I don't know if you ever saw that in prime Luol Ding era. You know what I mean? It was just unreal. They couldn't miss. And the bottom line is you can't give up 41 points in the first quarter. Everyone knows that. But, I mean, that's just so hard to come back from. And now, you know, you get a little worried that this 11 straight losses, you're facing the heat, it might get into their heads a little bit, them being the Hornets, although they have bounced back well this year. I mean, that's been one defining characteristic of this team. I mean, they got to bounce back now. They at least have to come out with a good effort. They can't have another game like this. If they do – you know, this could be a short series regardless of 
them coming back to Charlotte. But I don't expect that. Uh, but you just – this was nothing like what we've seen from either one of these teams in the entire regular season. I mean, Miami's playing a little bit faster as of late, but nothing like this. And the Hornets just you know, couldn't get anything going from three. The ball movement was pretty much zero. And they just could not get anything going on offense. And what's worse, they couldn't get any stops. I mean, Al mentioned it after the game. They probably didn't have three defensive stops in a row. I don't, I don't know. I didn't fact-check him on that one, but it sure felt like it. So you can't have a comeback when you can't get any stops. Yeah, you mentioned this game didn't look anything like the regular season for either team, and, and that showed up especially on the boards. The Hornets finished the first half with nine rebounds. Don't adjust your dials. That is correct. Nine rebounds for the first half. They finished with uh, 28 total rebounds, 42 for the Miami Heat. And the Miami Heat had 14 offensive rebounds. And props to Spencer Percy, who came on the show uh, on Thursday and pointed to that as a possible adjustment the Miami Heat could make at crashing the glass. They ranked 22nd in the league in offensive rebounding heading into the playoffs. They get 14 19 second chance points. And, uh, you know, you say 41 points in the first quarter. You you don't just do that with bad defense. You also have to be bad on the boards. And the Hornets just couldn't get two hands on the ball. Cody tipped one in at one point. I mean, it was just a disaster on the boards. And and I want to go to the offensive end, too, because I think this will be something interesting to look at in the second game because I think the Hornets, as you said, will bounce back. We'll have a better defensive game. It's it's hard to have a worse defensive game than giving up 123 points. But I, I want to look at the offensive end where Miami had a great counter to the Hornets' dribble handoff. They were essentially blitzing it like you blitz a normal pick and roll, and they would whoever was handing off, that defender would sag back. And then whether it was Goran Dragic or Justice Winslow, whoever was guarding the the receiver, the running back in this in this football to basketball analogy, uh, they would just run up and bump, basically go around the 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 person who was handing it off and bump whoever was receiving the handoff, and so that you know you had Kemba or Nick Batum uh, basically at the half court line by the time the handoff was over. And you've essentially ruined any advantage the Hornets have on the dribble handoff. So it was a great adjustment by Miami, and something that the Hornets will have to find a way to counter. It, you know, and the offense played well, as as Steve Clifford said after the game. The offense wasn't the problem, but my but but that's because they were able to get to the free throw line. So it's thirty seven total free throw attempts. The Hornets get twenty nine points off of free throws, so they were able to make that adjustment. But I don't know if that's going to be there in game two. So they're going to have to figure out a way to better execute the dribble handoff for for offense. Yeah, they did a good job. Uh, You're right, getting to the line. I mean, I guess you could say it kept them in it. Uh, It's hard to look at that final score and say they're in it at all. But, you know, there's just certain guys that have got to step up and have got to be ready to go. And I want to ask you about one guy in particular. I mean, how are you feeling about Kimball Walker this morning? His role on the team, we said he's a leader all year. He didn't look ready to me. I mean, he, I think he gave you 19 points, so he bounced back a little bit. And look, it's a tough cover going up against Dragic, I guess. But he's, he's got to come out and command a little more respect and, and take the bull by the horns a little bit to me for this team to, to do what it wants to do. Yeah, 19 points, but only one rebound and one assist, zero steals. So he wasn't involved yep. fully 
And you know, neither, neither was Nick Batum. Twenty-four points, two rebounds, one assist. I mean, my, and and I, I think a lot of that. Yeah, you have to put that on Kimba Walker and Nick Batum. But I think that Miami came out with a great game plan to stop what the Hornets wanted to do offensively with ball movement. For sure. And, and yeah. but you're right. I think the one guy though that I would point to as not ready would be Marvin Williams. One of he's he's Marvin been did not, yeah no he he, had, well, he, he also uh-huh. he also said he and Kimba sat for an extended period of time it seemed like what in that second quarter but yeah I mean that's what I'm saying no one was no one was ready to go and they can't have that from from Marvin who was big from three um, or Kimba or, or you know no one can show up like that in a playoff game and expect it to go well yeah you're right and and Lawal Ding took advantage of the Hornets in their last regular season matchup 22 points in that game. And he did a lot of that work against Frank Kaminsky. In this game, Lawal Ding did a lot of his early work against Marvin Williams, who uh, basically di- didn't recover fast enough to Lawal Ding in several situations. And and Ding got a couple of early threes and got going. And you know, once guys like that get into a rhythm, it's hard to stop them later on in the game. So this wasn't all on Frank Kaminsky. Marvin Williams not doing a good job defensively either, and I'm sure he knows it. One of seven from the field, only two points. And and he's the guy that the Hornets have looked to for a certain level of intensity and a certain you know, that, right. that certain something and and he just wasn't able to deliver it. He basically went quiet at the worst possible at the worst possible time and then Frank Kaminsky kind of looks swallowed by the moment and I know the what all the national guys and and I'm sure local guys here too who wanted the Hornets to select uh, Justice Winslow will immediately look to the the Winslow versus Kaminsky matchup that yeah. Miami forced by going small and and Winslow certainly got the better of that matchup I think. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, it's inevitable. <laughs> you're I not guess. you're not into it. It. you're not into that whole you're not I'm into just, that whole story. It doesn't seem appropriate right now. I mean, <laughs> you put Winslow on the Hornets yesterday, and what difference does it make? Um, and well, not to mention the fact. Look, well, look, look here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm not into the narrative either because I don't think that a a plus b does not equal c. But I think the Hornets, when you look at like what adjustments should the Hornets make moving forward, they don't have a ton of options because the one thing they need is someone off the bench. Who can is athletic, can guard Lawal Ding, can recover, who has the quickness to recover to Lawal Ding, but also can can guard him in a back down situation. Justice Winslow right. is well, that guy, and they don't have yeah, him. Yeah, 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 totally. Well, they have MKG, of course, is not out there. And, right. I mean, that's why they didn't draft Justice Winslow. And it's, I mean, you know, on draft night when Winslow saw him there, I was all for it, uh, but but you're the Hornets. You you really can't draft two MKGs or two or have two Winslows out there on the floor at the same time. So that's their thing. And we I guess we don't need to go rehash the draft again. It has been a while though since we revisited draft night uh, 2016 or 2015. So it's always good to, to flashback, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I'd, look, Winslow's a ton more athletic. He's a beast. He's a man child right now. Um, you know, but it's you know uh, to to do that and compare it to Frank and to, to to nitpick anything from that game last night. So if you'd done this one thing differently, then the the outcome would have been different. Is also crazy. I think. I mean, it was just a complete you know butt kicking. And sometimes that happens. We were going back and forth on it last night, Doug. They just got beat. They just got run out of the house. 
Yeah, and Clifford said it after the game. He does. I don't anticipate Clifford making any adjustments, but he but he basically said that when they look at you know he hasn't looked at the tape yet at the time of that press conference. But to him, just That's on first point. glance, it looked like you know technique one on one type of things that the Hornets have to just get better. There's not an adjustment really that needs to be made. The Hornets just need to get better. Do you agree with that? Do you think when you look at the roster, you look at how it's made up, I know there was there were several questions about whether Steve Clifford should make a change at the center position and start Al Jefferson yeah. for Cody Zeller. Yeah. What do you think? Man, that was a popular question. <laughs> After you knew it was, like well, you knew it was going to be. Yeah, it was, it's almost like not many people have been paying attention to the Hornets as of late, but um, <laughs> Calm down. You know, I think that which is, it's fine. It's whatever. I mean, you can't look at that game and not look for adjustments. I mean, it's a fair question to ask. I don't anticipate Clifford doing it to, uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, but, you know, if it goes again like that, you got to look at doing some sort of change. I think Al obviously gives them a better look. I think we've been on the more of the side of, of pro Al Jefferson since he's come back. So, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing. I, I don't. I mean, that's the adjustment that, that he's going to look and make. I mean, that's the one that pops to, to mind the most. I don't see it happening right now. Should he do it? I mean, it's so hard to judge off of that game. It was just such a disaster. Um, and, look, they beat the Heat twice. They beat them once without Al, right? So it can be done. You just you can't have another performance like that. Okay, you want my, you my, my answer? Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm a little stronger on this. Should Steve Clifford make a change at center or anywhere? My answer is definitively no. No, 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 no. Listen, if you get your house broken into, David, you normally don't switch houses, okay? You regroup and you build better defenses. You call, you know, CPI or some something and, and they, they come over and they, they install, or you get a dog or something. You don't, you don't just, you don't switch. Yeah, well, yeah, the, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, I, I look at the roster. And and I start to weigh different options. Well, do you try to fit Spencer Hawes in there because you don't? Because you know Zach Lowe said the Hornets can't play Al Jefferson and Frank Kaminsky together. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what other option they have because the problem yeah. is that the, the matchup with Miami is tough because their bench. So now we've whittled it down to to eight versus eight, and their bench is Justice Winslow, Josh Richardson, and Amari Stoudemire. And so Justice Winslow and Josh Richardson, both smaller guys, but they can guard multiple positions. And the Hornets are forced to go big because, look, you know, Troy Daniels is not going to be able to guard Dwayne Wade. And and, and Jeremy Lamb is, is not going to be able to stay with Richardson or Winslow. You've got defensive issues with each guy that you try to plug into the lineup. And even on, on down the line to Hansborough, if you try to get Tyler in there, you're going to have so many issues spacing or or being able to have any kind of competent offense when he's on the floor there's just there's there aren't a ton of answers for the team and in terms of starting Al Jefferson with Cody Zeller again you, you won 48 games with this right. idea that Cody Zeller allows Marvin and Batum and Kimball Walker to hit three-pointers because the ball doesn't have to go immediately to Al Jefferson that the ball doesn't slow down and just because Again, just because your house got broken into doesn't mean that you you switch houses. You just you just have to play better uh, offensively and defensively. So that's my yeah. 
I'm passionate. Yeah. I'm Clifford, passionate. Al- Clifford, Al- Clifford went a little Roy Williams light on that question last night in the post game. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, he did. Well, because he, he he was he started to say, "Look, you know, they play equal minutes." He, he almost like started right. to attack the question for sure. Uh, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. It was well, not. They, I, 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 and you know they asked Big Al the same question. I guess they asked. I think they asked everyone they talked to that question. <laughs> should Al, I think should they? Al yeah, start? they asked the trainer the question for sure. Yeah. I wonder if they asked Cody, but Al <laughs> was like, "It doesn't matter." I mean, honestly, it doesn't matter. So from that perspective, you, 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 the guys already know. They'll look at the tape, but uh, it's going to be a long couple of days for them to get back to, to the game Wednesday and. From a Hornets fan base, you're just frustrated because it's the first big spotlight the team has had, and you come out and lay a massive egg. So it's frustrating from a fan standpoint. I can understand that. Well, and the worst thing that happened to the Hornets was Boston coming back on Miami because it, A, set up this matchup, but B... You know, Miami learned a lot from that, I think, and they weren't they were not going to let the Hornets get back into this game. I mean, they really uh put the foot on the pedal and kept that yeah, kept the that Hornets lead did the going. same thing to them too last time they were there. So that was probably in the back of their mind as well. All right, we'll have much more coverage of this game on Tuesday. Hivetalklive.com, a full hour of analysis on this game. We'll dig a little deeper. 6 p.m. on HiveTalkLive.com. Also, big announcement. We made it on Twitter at the beginning of the game. We're giving away a signed mini ball signed by the entire team if we hit 2,000 followers by the NBA Finals. So go tell everyone you know to follow us on Twitter at HiveTalkLive because one out of 2,000, those aren't terrible odds. You could win this thing. So make sure to to get on Twitter and uh, let everyone know. Follow at HiveTalkLive.com. Uh, so we can get to 2,000. We're, we're pretty close. So it's it's definitely doable. Help us get there, and we will give away this signed mini ball. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back tomorrow morning and tomorrow night. Much more coverage ahead. The playoffs, they're not even close to over, folks. This is one game. Game one. It just started. It just got started. <laughs> Until we speak again, all hail the Teal and Purple.